Are you ready to be inspired? Are you ready to play with fire? We want to share with you what we've learned about faith, family, finances, and having fun. Because Because these these are are the the only only S we give. (laughs) Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's Gina Lynn. And Scott. And we are going to attempt to podcast Dream Big Investments. And it's just something that I had on my heart for a really long time was to podcast so we could have another platform for us to share our testimony because Scotty and I both came from similar backgrounds to where we didn't have a lot growing up. And we just want to be able to share how we're able to learn how we're playing with fire. And Scotty, what is fire? Financial independence, retire early slash entrepreneur. And that's what we're here. We're going to attempt to share with you guys how we're playing with fire. And Scotty, let's start with your journey. So I grew up in a single parent house. Uh, My mother passed away from breast cancer when I was four years old. So I grew up in a house with my father and two brothers. Um... I wasn't allowed to have feelings in that house. I used to be a mama's boy from the whatever memories I do have from back in those days, but my dad wouldn't allow it. So I kind of grew up kind of quiet into myself, and I still am pretty much like that today. Yeah, he really is quiet. And so I'm hoping out of this podcast, it could help him with his talking skills and me and him could be able to have this bonding experience. So... uh, when my mother passed, I, I gained a lot of weight because nobody was monitoring what I was eating. And I got made fun of a lot, especially by my brothers and their friends. Um, they would call me stuff like Scotty Big Body. But <laughs> sorry, uh, I don't care. It motivated me as I grew up to get in shape. And see, that's another F that we forgot to put in our introduction was fitness because Scotty is all about fitness, as you can tell. Um, although I need to get back on that journey because this past year was really stressful, but I gained like 20 pounds. So I'll get there. So I'm hoping this podcast will help keep me accountable as well. But I, I mean, with all that, I felt kind of ugly as a little kid, but I grew up to be quite the handsome adult male. <laughs> you see what losing weight does? It gets to your head. <laughs> People say I have a Big old head. So. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he really does, though. I know. We're a big hat. <laughs> All right. So let's start off with your first entrepreneur experience. So it was in about eighth or ninth grade. Uh, my dad was a veteran, so he shopped at the commissary. And he wouldn't really pay attention to what we put in the cart. But I'm pretty sure he noticed that I was like stockpiling candy. I mean, I was a fat kid, so it wouldn't really matter, you know? You just let me eat whatever. Um, (laughs) So I would, would, like, buy the six-packs of the big bars, and I'd break them down, put them in my cooler, carry it with my backpack and an extra bag, and sell it for, like, a dollar or 50 cents, depending on what it was. What did you end up doing with that money? Um, So I, I noticed that my friends, you know, a lot of them, or people I'd hanged out with, always had like the newest Nikes, Reeboks, 
little old navy pullovers and i was i was jealous you <laughs> I know? remember the old navy pullovers oh that's a throwback that was a big thing in the bay area but i was jealous like i'd see like even at 16 some of my friends getting new cars and i had to buy my own when i was 16. yeah and that's so crazy because i also came from a similar background as well i grew up in a single parent household as well my dad went to jail so my mom had to care for me, my two brothers. We actually had to foreclose our house and we were almost going to end up being homeless, but we had a family friend take us in and me and my mom had to share a room and my brothers had to sleep in the living room for about eight years until my mom was able to get on section eight and we were able to get our own uh, apartment and we were also on welfare, food stamps. And back then I was, it kind of hurt my morale. I was like really embarrassed because I didn't know back then, like all my friends had the nicest things. We grew up in a nice area and I was just the one who had to like work as well. So I got, I had to work at a really young age as well. And it was just something that I feel that, you know, as a younger person, you don't know about finances and stuff like that. So I think now what I know back then, I wish I knew what I knew because I think I would have been on a better track. That's what everybody says, you know. I mean, you always wish you knew what you know now. And that's just part of life's experiences, dear. I know. Thank you. <laughs> so let's talk about you playing football and what motivate, motivated you to lose weight in high school. Well, I played football for one year, but I, you know, I was just getting in the groove of it, learning. I never played before, like, like organized, but I played like just with friends or whatever. But the thing is, I remember asking my dad for some clothes and he told me to get a job because I didn't want him to buy me clothes from where he shopped because he shopped at thrift stores and I was kind of embarrassed of him always shopping there. And actually it just reminded me of the story of not a story, but he'd roll around in this little Jeep, old post office Jeep. He only had one seat. And that's how he would take us around. I had to duck down in the back, laying down, because <laughs> there's no seats. <laughs> but anyways. Um, let's talk about what did you do after high school? So at 15 and a half, even though I was still in high school. <laughs> he knows the numbers, 15 and a half. <laughs> that's when my dad told me to get a job. And I started at McDonald's, right? Uh-huh. And then I know I just totally ignored your question, but I wasn't done. <laughs> so, so after McDonald's wasn't giving me enough hours, I went to Jack in a Box, started off part time. And then by, I think it was 11th grade, I started full time as a student because they, they had this little, you could skip sixth period or fifth period to, to go to work if you're in, in that program. Wow, that's, that's what crazy. I did. I didn't know they had that. I think they called it work experience. Mm. Interesting. Uh, so what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a baseball player. And then, I don't know. I always, I did envision like being um, an entrepreneur, owning a business. But I thought it was going to be like a mechanic of some type. And I remember thinking like, I heard somewhere that they made 20 bucks an hour. And I was like, ooh. I'd be set for life at that. <laughs> and so that's kind of what I was leaning towards. And I almost went that route. But at 18, 
I decided to join the Marine Corps because I, at first I want, I want to be a Navy SEAL, right? But the Navy guy flaked on me. <laughs> so I went next door to the Marine Corps office. It's a good thing because I don't know how to swim. For, <laughs> he doesn't. It's, it's so funny. He'll like back float. That's it. You definitely need more than that to become a, a SEAL. <laughs> so how long were you in the Marines? Uh, eight and some change. And what was your MOS? If what's MOS like? Oh, three thirty-one machine gunner. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I appreciate you and thank you for your service. But he is one badass grunt that I am very prideful of. He's very handsome, and uh, he every time someone says thank you for your service, he always gets like this cringy feeling because he feels like he didn't do anything, but. I just want you to know that you should be proud of what you did. You know, you went on two tours. Uh, where did you go again? Why well, I initially went to Afghanistan and then uh-huh. Iraq. Uh huh. And then, and you lost a lot of friends, and also didn't one of your trucks get bombed when you were out there? Yeah, it was on my birthday. You didn't tell me that. Are I you serious? You. I no, told you, you like didn't. ten times. It was on your birthday. Yeah. Oh my God. See, and like he, this is our communication, uh, language. Like he tells me way later and like, I'm more like the girl, the dramatic one that's like, tells him right away. And it's just like, yeah. But anyways, so let's talk about how we met. So we met on Friendster. (laughs) That was before MySpace. I mean, I didn't even know. I didn't really know about MySpace at the time. I remember seeing people go on Friendster. But I didn't get my first computer until I was like 19 in the Marine Corps because my dad decided all we needed was the, the black one with the green little typing things, whatever. Straight up old school computer that he bought at the Valley Center. But So I wasn't tech savvy or anything like that. And I saw this fly looking Filipino girl. <laughs> And I decided to message her. And it's so funny because I never checked my Friendster for about a good month. And I was at Leeward Community College at the time studying for my television production certificate or associates. And uh, I was bored waiting for class to start. And I ended up going into the computer lab, logged into Friendster. And I was like, oh, who's this hot white guy? And his message was, hey, I see you're from the Bay Area, too. What is there to do out here in Hawaii? (laughs) I was still pretty new to Hawaii. You know, it was my first duty station. And it's crazy because I was actually on my way to move to California. So I was like, oh, let me just have a quick fling real quick, you know. (laughs) And um, I never been with a white guy. So I was like, that's like really open and honest, huh? Yeah. Well, whatever. See what kind of girl she was. (laughs) Jerk. (laughs) But... I picked you up on base. Yeah, because she didn't have a car. I didn't have a car. Yeah, so that's the reason why I was moving back to California was to go live back with my mom because I was broke as heck. I was couch surfing. I was living paycheck to paycheck, working crazy jobs, like so random ones, and then also just seriously couch surfing. I was living at my aunt's place for about a month on her couch, and then I lived with a friend for a few years. It was just a really hard time. So I moved back to California and two months later, this guy proposes to me over the phone and was like, you want to get married? And then I was like, okay. 
because I, I was training to go to Afghanistan. I was going back to California for training and I knew we didn't really see each other out of those two months before we got married. Yeah, it was so, really like only two weeks of really being with each other. So it was a lot of learning lessons, you know, in the beginning. And when we first got married, I was already having $15,000 in student loan debt because I went to Leeward Community College for television production and I was uh, at a state residence. So I had to pay that out of state tuition, which was bonkers. It was like ridiculously expensive. So just for an associates for a year and a half or two was $15,000. And um, I didn't know that um, I was going to have student loan debt until about two months after getting married, we moved in together and we had, I opened up a piece of the letter and it said, oh, you're in past due. And I remember at that time I checked my credit score and it was like in the 500s and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. So I ended up getting a job right away and I just slowly paid off my school loan around that time. But then I decided to go back to school so I didn't have to pay it. What was that first job you did? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Why would you call me out like that? Because we're open books. I know. Okay. So I used to work at a porn store. <laughs> oh my gosh. People aren't going to want to like listen. Anyways. So yeah. Um, what else? Let's see. So I helped my brother film weddings for a few years, which helped me get my creative fix out as well. And I was just working odd end jobs here and there. I ended up working at a bartending job for four years, and that was amazing. It was a lot of fun. And we just uh, decided to, Scotty had the option to get out, right, after four years? Yeah. And then you decided to re-enlist? Because we found out you're pregnant. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> they were offering this big bonus. That's right. Because... Still middle of the war is going on. So I just decided to do it because I didn't want to pay for uh, hospital bills and all yeah. that stuff. That's right. I was pregnant with Adrian and we just found out, okay, it's either Scotty get out of the military or he reenlists. So he reenlisted and thankfully we got orders to go to San Diego, which was really cool. So we went from an amazing place, Hawaii, to San Diego, which is also beautiful. And then we ended up where? 29 Palms. Oh, yay. But, oh, it's also, we had another kid, Kaisen, in San Diego, which was a really good experience because my labor was really easy. But with Adrian, it was hard because it was my first one. And he has a big head like his daddy. <laughs> I was pushing for like two and a half hours. That was so painful. So, yeah, so during this time when we moved to 29 Palms, I actually lost both of my parents and my grandparents. Um, I lost my dad to a heart attack, and I lost both of my grandfathers, and then I lost my mom. And she was an alcoholic. She had severe cirrhosis. So it was really hard on me because I lost four significant people in a year and a half. Not only on top of that, but Scotty moved, or not moved, he got deployed to Okinawa for seven months, four months after my mom passed away. So I literally hit rock bottom, having two kids really young, and I didn't know what to do with myself. And that's where I just got really depressed, and it caused a lot of anxiety, 
and I was just a hot mess. After 29 Palms, so what did you end up doing? After 29 Palms, I I already decided to get out because that last deployment, I realized, you know, I couldn't do it uh, just being away from family. And I was already thinking about doing 20 years at that point. But I was I was legit depressed. She doesn't believe me, but I miss them. So I, I, I knew I couldn't do it anymore. So we were deciding where to go and we're looking at a big map we had hanging. <laughs> and we're just looking, we kind of think Vegas. I was, right. so some of the options I wanted to do Florida because the cost of living was really affordable. Texas because it was affordable and I love the Cowboys and then, uh, the Bay area back to the Bay, but it's too expensive there. And we decided it just wasn't right for our family. So we opted Vegas because the cost of living and with my industry in the restaurant industry, I thought it'd be easy for me to get a job in that industry. And I was thankful because I was able to cocktail, which was great money, but I fell into that trap of being bougie and extra, you know, as a cocktail server, you live that crazy fast life of just, you know, cash here, there, everywhere. And it just like, you just blow it as much as you make it as fast as you make it, you know? And I saved up money for red bottoms and Gucci and I was just like, what? My mindset was like not there, you know? And so this was when Scotty got out and we were in Vegas and we looked at our finances and we were like, holy moly, we're $104,000 in debt and we had to do something because we we're basically living off of my income. And what were you doing when you got, when you got out? So I, I was a little lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do. A lot of people just say, oh, Marine Corps infantry, you should be a cop. And I kind of like fell for that trap. So I was like, oh, well, maybe if I could be a cop, then I'll, I'll try SWAT. But so I took the Metro test, uh, Las Vegas Metro Police Department test, and I failed the psychological part. Because <laughs> he's nuts. <laughs> and I I was like legit, like answering any everything, honestly. And I was like, you know, I thought I did a pretty good job. But anyways, I failed that. That was like the first step. <laughs> so Nevada Highway Patrol, I, I applied there and I, I made it pretty far in the selection process. And I'm pretty sure they were going to offer me a position, but I denied it because I just didn't want to deal with having to make reaction, like split decision, split second <laughs> decisions and just possibly like going to jail for that and even though I know in my heart that I would only do what I thought was right, it's just I don't want to be put in a situation. So I ended up going to University of Phoenix because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, <laughs> I knew I was like leaning towards being a, a physical therapist. And so I was just going to get my credits, whatever. And my very first class, I had this professor named Alfred Wilfong. And he kind of like, I never even talked to him after this class. And I, I didn't really realize like how much of an impact he had on me because he was always motivational and he introduced me. Well, he didn't introduce me personally, but like on YouTube, he played Les Brown, a motivational speaker. And that was like the very beginning of changing my mindset. Cause I was always negative. 
Yeah, and he started playing these Les Brown YouTube videos at home, and it kind of struck my heart, too, because I was kind of in the negative headspace as well after losing my parents. So I was listening to just how Les Brown speaks and how his background was crazy as well. So I really appreciate you playing that because I love Les Brown. He's like one of my... You You need to thank Alfred Wilfong. (laughs) See, and that's so crazy because one teacher made a huge impact in your life and he doesn't even know it. So he doesn't even know. That's so crazy. I think you should like reach out to him. I probably should. Because <laughs> I, I was so negative, you know, and that was a big part of changing my mindset to being positive, optimistic, half full glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a glass half full of wine right here. <laughs> But honestly, I, I, I was going to be a physical therapist or so I thought, cause I liked exercise. I like, I thought I was going to train some athletes or rehab athletes of some sort. But what ended up happening is there's only a couple schools out here in Vegas and it's very selective and there's a lot of people applying. So I didn't want to take the chance of delaying my career. So I ended up going nursing. And which is crazy because I was actually going to school for nursing when we were in 29 Palms, but I had to drop out because I was pregnant and losing my mom. So I was just in a weird space, you know, so I didn't want to have that extra burden on me. So I actually dropped out and ended up going to business school and got my master's in business. And I totally regret that. So I just wanted to encourage everyone out there that, School is for suckers. <laughs> not necessarily. Not, yeah, not necessarily, but it's a trap because I paid almost $75,000 in school loans and that was just a piece of paper that's not even hung up. It's like, I don't even know where it's at. I think it's in a glass frame, but I didn't even hang it. I used it to wipe my butt <laughs> and flushed it down the toilet. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm <jerk>. just kidding. <laughs> Okay, so you ended up going to nursing school, and what, in the first week of school, what did you read? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that made me almost quit nursing school because it let me know that you don't have to be stuck in a rat race uh, doing a 9 to 5 or 12-hour shifts in that case <laughs> to and saving up for your, with your 401k and working till you're 65, depending on the government to give you social security checks. And it's just so crazy because he was like seriously about to quit nursing school the first week. And I had to encourage him and motivate him. And he followed through, but uh, it was really hard for us on our relationship because I was also training for my first mission trip with my church, New Hope, Las Vegas. And I didn't know what to expect. It was my first mission trip. I was training a lot. I was gone a lot and I was doing hula practice. I was going out to outreaches twice a month and also uh, volunteering at my church. So it was like a lot of time commitment that I didn't know. So that's something that we had to learn as we go in that field, you know, and also, so let's talk about our debt. So we started out with 104000 Um 
most of that was school loans from, it definitely wasn't <laughs> mine. <laughs> Not just hey. kidding. Uh, we had a nice Chevy Avalanche that I loved. And we also had a Liberty, a Jeep Liberty, three credit cards. And if you guys are in the military, you guys will know the star card. That's a trap because we used it all the time when we went to the NEX in Hawaii. And we seriously like maxed it out. It was pretty funny. But yeah, we lived that bougie lifestyle. We always wanted the nicest things. And I always wanted red bottom shoes or Gucci bags. And we just, I was in the wrong mindset. That's what I would save up for. Not paying off our credit cards or anything, but I would save up for a Gucci handbag or something. It was ridiculous. And Scotty, he always had to have Jordans and Jabos, you know. We're both from the Bay Area, so we had that hyphy mentality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's talk about our faith. So we were in Vegas. It's like our first year. We were kind of bored. And I remember I yelped to church and I was hoping that Scotty would want to come. And we found a church, New Hope Las Vegas. It was the one that was the closest near us. And it was really cool because I loved the Aloha spirit. All my family's from Hawaii and I didn't know that this church was um Hawaiian roots. Yeah, Hawaiian roots. And so everyone had that aloha spirit and just hugs and just made you feel like Ohana, you know? It was nice, but I, I didn't like it at first. <laughs> um I I've been in Catholic church and that definitely wasn't for me. It was a one time thing, but and then like in boot camp I went to a Christian thingy on Sunday and I was like why are these people singing? And I, I kind of just made fun of the whole thing. I didn't understand anything, you know, and she made me go to new hope and she would just keep begging me, begging me. And I was like, Oh, I'll just go <laughs> just keep her quiet. I know. But she was bored. I wasn't bored enough to go, but I'm glad she did. But they would ask for like tithing. I think that was like one of the first ones we went to. And I was like, no ways I'm giving these people my money. And this is so crazy because I was I was working graveyard at the time as a cocktail server. So I'd get off at 8 a.m. and we would go, I believe, to the 10 a.m. service that they had at the time. I, I don't remember, but I was so tired and they talked about tithing. And I was like, I couldn't wrap my brain around people giving 10 percent of their gross income, you know. So, you know, a few years roll by and we went to New Hope on and off. We weren't, we were seasonal. So we'd only go like on special occasions. And then we finally got, we stepped in and 2015 was where we started to go like every Sunday. And we met Roger and Myra and we ended up going to their life group. And they told us their tithing testimony and how they tithed their, what was it? When they sold their house, they gave oh, it to their yeah. church. Yeah. So they tied the full money on that and they made a pretty big chunk and I was like, oh yeah. So that's like where he, where it sparked our um our faith, you know. Because they were so obedient. Yeah. And I'm really thankful for them because they're the one who helped us, you know, get closer, not only with the Lord, but with each other as well. And we were uh I remember at one of the services there was this older lady in front of us and she tied the $90 check. 
And I was like, holy moly, like who the heck ties $90, you know? And I was like, man, one day I want to do that, you know? And I remember the first time I tithe officially the 10% gross for that week, I tithe $90 and I wrote out my first check and it was so crazy because I was like, holy moly, this really works, you know, like God is so good. And so we started tithing. That was weekly. And then we ended up moving to monthly and we still do faithfully. And it's something that I feel that has grown us financially and not only financially, but also spiritually as well. And I think it's something that's very important to everyone. I agree with that. And we didn't think we can afford the tithing, the 10%, but you know, we just did it and it seemed like everything was just going our way. I mean, not everything in life, but we kept seeing pay increases and all these kind of things and our financials just build up better with no debt. Yeah. So that's what was crazy was that while we were paying off the $104,000, we just, I got a different roles here and there, you know, and so a pay increase and we decided to just pay off my student loan and I decided to just do it. And I was like so scared because we had enough built up an emergency fund. I think we had six, six months of emergency fund and I decided to just, let's just do it, you know? And that was really hard because I was so attached to money being in our savings that I had to go by faith and just use a lot of our savings and just pay a big chunk off. And I remember that moment was so amazing because paying off $104,000 in debt, it was my last payment for school. So that felt like so amazing, just like a huge lift off my shoulders. Another big thing that helped us along that way, even though I wasn't working, is I was on VA disability. But also I was getting, I was using my uh, GI bill and then turned into voc rehab. So if there's veterans out there, I want you, you know, you need to take advantage of what the VA has to offer. They kind of suck, but they're getting better. They're working on it. So, and for anything, if you serve, go VA and get what you deserve from them. Well, also while we were, um, what is it? We also went to Haiti and this was right out of college or you, right after you graduated. I had just graduated and I was getting ready for my NCLEX, my boards. And I decided that we both should go to Haiti. I felt it was right for us because it's something that I wanted to do together. And at the time I didn't know that, you know, each of us have our own different gifts and own different talents. And so it caused a lot of friction between us two. We kept fighting because it was something he didn't want to do, something that he didn't feel led or called to do. And it, at that time, I didn't understand, but now I do. So I don't pressure him anymore. But yeah, so how did you feel after Haiti, though? I felt pretty good. Um, it was a good experience. I got to see all the kids there. Uh, being able to pray and see them is... Haiti's not a place like full of God, I would say. And that's why you do mission trips there. You try to introduce and grow people who's already into it. But we went to this little orphanage and there's like 60 kids. And they all stole my heart, seriously. It's just 
trippy to see, you know, they don't have much and they're just very appreciative. I remember, yeah, I have a picture of this girl who has a smile on her face, but she didn't have any shoes or her, she had sandals, but they were broken. And for her to still smile, you know, I felt like very humbled and it just brought me back down to earth and just knowing that we're so blessed and so thankful and grateful that I feel like in the position that Scotty and I are in right now, we have more than what we need, you know? So this is where I feel like this podcast can help others because it's going to help bring us closer together, not only as a mar- through our marriage, but also bonding and spiritually and also financially and be able to share our testimony. I feel like we could at least try to inspire one person. And that's what matters at the end of the day, trying to help other people. I wish I felt like that many years ago. I was all selfish and didn't want to help anybody, but. And I'm the complete opposite. I'm very compassionate and I love, I just want to help everybody. (laughs) So let's talk about Dave Ramsey and how we got out of debt. So initially Dave Ramsey, someone, a friend brought him up and I was like, who's this guy? And I didn't really believe in what he was doing. Well, I mean, I didn't know what he was doing, but um, I thought we paid our bills on time. I don't need somebody telling me what to do with my money. I was very selfish and negative. And so I didn't think nothing of it. Um, Sometime later, I I think I started hearing his radio show. And I would just listen whenever in the car. Yeah, and it kind of, he would listen when I would be in the car too. So I kind of like learned with Scotty about finances and Dave Ramsey and how to tackle your debt like a gazelle. So we ended up trading our truck in for a Prius and that really hurt your ego, didn't it? It did because I, I love that truck, even though I never took it off road, but I <laughs> yeah. still loved having my four by four. One day you'll get it. But I just, know. Just patience. Yeah. So that's one thing about us right now. We have no debt, no consumer debt. We don't have any credit card debt. We pay it off every month or actually I paid off twice a month just because I don't want it to affect our credit score. And also we, what else did we do to, oh, we also budget. We budget $200 on going out to eat. And as a family of four, that can be really hard. And so we break it down and we could only spend $50 a week going out to eat. Here in Vegas, it's pretty easy, but uh, we don't do we try not to go to fast food places a lot, but we'll go to Lee's Sandwiches, which is the jam because it's so good. <laughs> it's all right. It's cheap. Yeah. But also we'll go to Basil and Lime, a Thai restaurant. So good. They have a lunch special, which is like pretty cheap. I can't remember how much it is, but that's how we as four are able to eat on a budget. We'll go to happy hours. And also what else is there? Or Whole Foods. We'll go to Whole Foods because they have a variety of food. So it helps each of us get whatever we want. That's not the grocery shop though. Yeah, because it's way too expensive there. So let's talk about uh, who has a better credit score. (laughs) So I had the better credit score for a long time. Um, 
We're going to check it on Credit Karma right now. I know she has a better one than mine mm-hmm. because I had to take two hits for opening <laughs> our business line of credit. So I'm okay with that. She's still, even with my two big hits, <laughs> she's barely over me. Whatever. So I'm at 811. What are you at? 802 and 797. I'm at 809 and 811. So both of us are in the 800 clubs. We've been in it for about two years, but we are very competitive with our credit score. We always go back and forth to each other and just try to compete against each other. But um, honestly, credit score doesn't really matter, but it's really nice to have. It just in case if you do have a line of credit, the banks will look at you and be like, boom. <laughs> take our money. Yeah, here, take our money, you know. So that's one thing that we want to be able to do is leverage that at the banks for real estate. And that's something that we got into accidentally. <laughs> so we're not saying it's good to have a if it's good to have a good credit score if you're gonna use it to help you buy assets. I mean, that's not Dave Ramsey's way, but I mean we kinda veered away from Dave Ramsey, even though He's very good initially for people just trying to get out of debt and work their jobs, you know? Yeah, he really helped us, and I thank him for that. I've always wanted to go on his podcast and say, we're debt-free, but I felt it wasn't right because we weren't really debt-free because we still had a mortgage. But That's okay because, I yeah. mean, it just depends on people's risk tolerance and just individual goals. So let's talk about our portfolio. So we accidentally got into real estate because of our townhome. We lived in it. We bought it in 2014 really well. We got it for $148,000 because that's at that time, that's all we could afford. And so we spent about 15 grand. We lived there for four years, spent 15 grand while we lived there doing it ourselves hot mess it was we were like living in a construction zone like seriously and we didn't have floors for like six months <laughs> no probably longer than that probably like two years huh yeah it was just oh concrete gosh. we scraped up all the tiles took out the tiles scraped it and just kind of left painted it, it. <laughs> but whatever i know that's why we never have anyone over because our house is always a hot mess true that yeah well we have two kids but i'm not gonna lie i'm We're just always doing DIY projects to where we're just, we never have time to clean. But um, so, yeah, so we decided to get a house for the kids. So we bought a house, a single story house with a pool because it's something that I've always wanted to have for the kids where they can just go out and swim whenever they wanted. And So we initially thought that it was going to be one month. We gave ourselves one to two months to renovate and sell that townhome really quick. But it ended up being seven months. And that's because I was trying to do everything by myself. I was like, oh, I'll just get it all done by myself. And I'm not, have no construction background, but I mean, I kind of knew how to do some stuff decently, you know, and it was definitely a mistake. I should have just hired people, got it done, get it sold. Yeah, but that's what's great about life is that you live and you learn. And so we made a nice little profit off of that. And we decided to invest because Scotty read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and started listening to Bigger Pockets. Yeah, so 
we the first thing we did was the crunch fitness yeah so we made a nice little profit on our townhome and we decided to invest passively and so the one thing that we were doing we were going to las vegas or no what is it called now it was las vegas investment club that turned into investment club of america yes because it's growing nationally so we ended up going in i have a good friend that went into these gyms got some really good returns some decent ones on some other ones so we decided to go in and that one we're making 12 percent annually and we get paid every month on that it's not a lot but it's still cool to see a little paycheck it's money working for you yeah and money's the hardest working thing yeah never sleeps never complains that's the thing is like we could have kept it in our savings or blow it on a vacation and that's where me the dreamer and scotty the realist would butt head sometimes because i would always want to go on vacation scotty's being really cheap and he would never want to go on vacation so we butted head heads a lot and i'm just really thankful because if it wasn't for his cheapness (laughs) i think we would be negative but yeah, so what else is in our portfolio? We also have what other? So about that same time, we decided to go forward with a residential assisted living, which we can't call it that in Nevada, but so basically a care home, memory care, uh, licensed for eight. Um, we started off independent living, which is a whole nother podcast on its own. So we're, we will get into that because we learned a lot from that. A lot of experiences. I'll just say that. <laughs> so we ended up, you know, we kind of delayed everything almost a whole year. And we just finally decided we're just going to do this, go get our license and go on from there. And so it's been a journey owning this. Uh, we would fight a lot, Gina and I. Yeah. Because we, I was also, so I work full-time at Zappos and I've been there for a little about four and a half years. So I was working a full-time job, also taking care of the two kids. You know, we also have a dog and two cats and then taking care of our house. We still live in a renovation hot mess. Construction zone. Yeah, seriously. And so I was always like, I had so much on my plate, you know, like we just sold our town home. We just bought a house. We you know, there's just so much. And also like I had a job opportunity to move to Kentucky, but I actually turned that down and decided to stay in Vegas. And, uh, yeah. So, but a thing that shifted my mindset was when I started to get a lot of health issues, I was diagnosed with mitral valve regurgitation, which is something that's in your heart that your valve doesn't close properly. And so, My dad, when he died of a heart attack, it kind of scared me now because it gives me a lot of anxiety because I have a lot of heart issues. But um, and then not so long after that, I was diagnosed with lupus SLE. And so I remember there's just times where I would be so sick to the point where I would have to literally roll out of bed, crawl to the bathroom just to go pee. And like that was scary you know like I didn't work I remember for a few days and I was like oh my god if I don't work what am I going to do for money you know and so that really shifted my mindset I read rich dad poor dad and 
I was hooked to this fire movement, you know. Um, I decided that, like, although as much as I love working where I work, my nine-to-five job is never going to be guaranteed. You know, if the economy hits, there goes some layoffs, you know. Like, I don't know the future. So even with my health issues, I decided to slowly learn about investing, and Scotty helped me, and this is where we just started to grow the memory care home. We also um, listened to Bigger Pockets podcast, which was amazing. I love that podcast. And so we, after that, I decided to reach out to one of the guests who was on Bigger Pockets. His name was Alex Felice, and he lived in Vegas, but he invested out of state. And I was like, what? That's so wild to me. You know, I thought you had to be investing in where you lived, you know, I didn't know you could do that. So I ended up reaching out to Alex and I was like, yo, let's meet up. You know, like I, we live in Vegas and we want to learn how to get into investing too as well. So we did a video chat and he invited us to a meetup to learn from all these investors. You know, everyone had different portfolios. Everyone had different, everyone was at different stages in their investing game so it was really cool to see all the newbies, the middle people, and then also the people who were doing a lot, you know. So I'm really thankful for Alex because he took us under his wing and he had an opportunity to invest in a 24 unit in North Carolina. And since we did make some money off of the townhome, we decided to park our money there. And that one was, I think, like $56,000. I seriously had an anxiety attack at the bank wiring the money because I was just so nervous because we've got scammed before when we lived in Hawaii. Tell them about that story. So there was this real, our former real estate agent and he was moving out and I guess he was planning to leave Las Vegas anyways. So he had all this lease form papers and we didn't know we're still a young couple. And so we signed the lease, put 3000 down at the time. That's all we had. And no, we had to borrow money from our parents, remember? That was after. The fact. Oh, to get us our new apartment, huh? Yeah, so we put 3000 down because we really loved the apartment. And I, we were supposed to come back a different day, and we go to the building, and we couldn't get in. and We couldn't get the keys. And then we, we, I think later that night, I was working at the bar, and I saw it on the news that he scammed like eight other people. And if there's any other people, reach out and call. And we're like, holy shit, this is crazy. Like, we just saw, like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, other people getting scammed on the news. But then it was us. And I found out at that moment while watching the news. So that was, like, wild. That I was like, holy moly. I didn't think that would happen to us, but it, but it did. So just because of that, like, I'm always mindful and cautious of how we deal with our money and you know stuff like that but uh yeah so we have our group home and I'm really thankful for Scotty because I had to step away from that it was a lot of work so me having a lot on my plate I had to step away and I know he has the right heart and right mindset for that business so thank you and I would like to thank the business partners, the yes. Pro Rock family, because they are amazing. Um, you, 
if you do something on your own, yeah, the profit's all there for you. But at the same time, if you can't handle everything on your own, you wouldn't be able to do it, you know? And I wouldn't have been able to do all that on my own. It's a lot of work starting the memory care home. And each of us had a huge, like, role into its success. But I'm just thankful for all of you guys because I had to step away for a little bit. I'll be back. (laughs) Um, We'll see. I know. I don't know if you want me to. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, it's hard starting a business. But I know that's what we need to do, you know. Once we get the system down and it'll run itself. We just need to get all the right pieces. We're working on that right now. Yeah. It's just going through those struggles. It was really hard for me. It, uh, I, I got stressed out a lot and it caused me a lot of anxiety and depression. So I had to step away and just take care of my mental health first. So I just want to encourage anyone out there who is dealing or battling with anxiety or depression, get help because there really is a light at the tunnel because I feel so much better. I am so thankful that I was able to step to step away. And that's what's great about having a business where you have partners and a husband who's really supportive. So I'm just thankful for that as well. So let's talk about our memory care home. How did we start that? So that all started when you got asked to do a tithing testimony. Yeah, so I was I got asked to do video work for a tithing testimony and Pastor Lisa asked me to reach out to Nick. So I hit him up and I said, hey, what do you like to do? And he said, oh, he likes to do martial arts. He likes to shoot guns and stuff like that. And I was like, OK, out of those, Scott likes to shoot guns. So I was like, OK, let's let's go shooting. You know, at the time I was like, I'll get some footage of that and like edit it in. And I create I thought I created this cool video, but it kind of looked like a, a gangster rap video. <laughs> Cause I got like, it was, I, it was just not appropriate for church. So filming I, ammo guns and not shooting. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, this is like one of my first videos editing, you know? So I was like, Oh cool. You know, whatever. But I didn't realize you had to be mindful of your audience. We should post that video. <laughs> I don't even know where it's at, but so yeah. So we, that's how I introduced Nick to Scott. So yeah, it's kind of weird that like, when you meet somebody that's a lot like you and you could think like them, it's kind of weird <laughs> how we think sometimes. It's crazy. It's like they're twins. It's pretty scary. If you ever see 22 Jump Street, go look at uh, Channing Tatum and the quarterback guy. That's <laughs> why I feel like the relationship started out <laughs> as. But Oh, boy. <laughs> but uh, so as we were filming during that time, I was – you know, we had time to talk and we just asked like, oh, what do you do and what do you like to do and all this? And he was talking about he wants to start a financial ministry. And I was already telling Gina at that time that I want to do something like that. So he was already like further along in that process. And I was I just got the, the idea. But he was actually already farther along in that process of getting it started at church. But he also... I remember during that time, I also told him, like, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to open a group, or sorry, a care home. <laughs> and just because of my experience with my dad, um, he ended up in a skilled nursing facility while I was in nursing school. And I was a little upset with how my brother said he was being treated there. But, I mean, I couldn't do anything. And he passed there. 
not too long after he got there. But Nick dealt with the same, not the same situation, but he took care of his grandma. Um, she was Alzheimer's for like seven years, I believe. And she was at home. They would take care of her, clean her, everything, feed her and all that. So he had that similar passion, you know, because we both, mine was out of wanting to do something because I felt helpless. He was actually helping in his situation. So from there, we kind of, you know, just had this idea that, oh man, BFFs. (laughs) And not only that, you guys ended up teaching Financial Peace University at the church. And I remember our first year, we had about 50 people who signed up and about 30 people graduated. And I also did the FPU testimonies, and I'm going to put that on our website as well. Because it's really inspiring, you know, like Scotty and Nick, they... They're so young and they helped change a few people's lives by having people pay off their cars and also helping people buy their first house and, you know, paying off all this debt. And it was just so amazing that like what they did was a huge step to everyone, you know, with helping other people change their mindset. And that's why as much as I don't agree with Dave Ramsey on a lot of his things, I'll never bash him because... His stuff works. It does. If people <laughs> apply what they're learning. Yeah, it helped us get out of debt. And so right now we so we don't have any debt. We have no credit card debt. We have no car debt. We have our two cars that are a little bit older, paid outright, and also an older house. Our house is what, nineteen seventy nine? Built in yeah. there. Yeah, it's so it needs a lot of work. And also so what is our debt that we have? So we do have the mortgage. We're not completely debt free. We also have the group, the care home, which is under ours and Nick's name. But we're going to get that into LLC. And then we also have the 24 unit. Uh, but I feel that's all that's actually into an LLC. And we so we have three. uh what is it? Mortgages. Three mortgages, but it's, I, we consider it. Two good. of them are making us money. Yeah. And one, you know, the one we live in is a liability. Yeah. But we are attempting to make it a live and flip. So hopefully we'll make at least a little bit or break even. We have some other, I have some other plans for it too as well, but we'll, <laughs> we'll cross that road when we I get know. there. Oh my gosh. That's going to be another podcast. We also have a 3D print company with our boys and that's something that's really exciting because it's helping them be little entrepreneurs and helping them grow in the 3D print world. So let's actually bring them in. Hello. This is Kyson. Say hi everyone. Hi. And we also have Adrian. Hello. How old are you Adrian? 11. And how old are you Kyson? <laughs> Nine. Cool. So we just wanted to ask you guys some questions. Out of mommy and daddy, who looks older? You do. (laughs) (laughs) Papa. (laughs) Who is smarter? Papa. (laughs) Tell the truth. (laughs) Daddy. (laughs) Out of whatever. Out of mommy and daddy, who's more mean? Both of you guys are the same. I agree with Adrian. 
<laughs> Who's crazier? You. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Okay, so yeah, this is Dream Big Investments Podcast. It's a family of four that's learning how to play with fire. That's financial independence, retire entrepreneur slash early. And we want to just be able to share with you guys and hopefully inspire you guys. Stay tuned for the next one. If you like our parents' podcast, please like, subscribe, leave a review, comment, and share. Thanks.